the Smiths in rehearsal for their tour, which begins next week. And the man at the microphone, well, I used to know him as Stephen. But now they call him Morrissey. To some people, Morrissey is the Smiths. Which is really pretty unfair, considering there are four people in the band and considering that they can't do much out there without good drumming and bass playing. Do you two ever get annoyed at the attention given to Morrissey? Um, no, not really. I think he deserves the attention he gets. Um... Oh, well, come on, come on. There must be a little... Sometimes when you think it's all, all Steve, all Steve Morrissey up there. Well, you never feel well we know that we're appreciated, so, I mean... But, I mean, obviously, if we, if we don't do interviews and we're not on the TV, like, every hour, like Morrissey, then <laughs> and we're not going to be uh, asked anything, so, I mean, that's fine. I mean, we're, we're happy where we are mm -hmm. in the background. Yeah, yeah. Our time will come. Welcome everyone, this is That Record Got Me High, I'm Rob Elba, and it's great to have you guys here again, and I am doing another early morning, early Sunday morning, so I could talk to someone at a normal time that's all the way in the UK, I'd like to welcome to the show, first time guest, Mr. Paul, is it Marfleet? Marfleet, yeah. Marfleet, there you go. Paul Marfleet, uh, hailing all the way from, what's the, the, what's the town you're in again? Aylesbury. Aylesbury, okay. It's great to have you on. He had actually, uh, Paul had contacted us after we did a Blur episode, uh, told us some things that maybe we, we didn't get quite right, and, you know. <laughs> well, it was just, just... Yeah. Constructive criticism, that's what I... There you go, I, exactly. So, <laughs> and then uh, Barry at the time suggested, well, you should come on and do a record. So, um, so Paul, what is the record that you picked that we're going to talk about today? Okay. I picked Meet His Murder by The Smiths, their second album from 1985. There you go. And so, Paul, obviously, I'm assuming you're a you're a big Smiths fan. And were you a uh, were you a Smiths fan like right when they came out, right from the get go? No, I'm a little bit. I was a little bit too young to to be into The Smiths in their in their heyday, which was quite short anyway. So I didn't get into The Smiths until until the early mid 90s. Um, so when I, when I was probably when I was 16, you know, I, 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 I started getting interested in, in you know, developing my own taste in music, and, and the Smiths was one of those bands which, at the time of Britpop, you, you had bands like Blur and Oasis, and the Smiths were always cited as a as an influence on there, which you know, which then piqued my interest and made me want to go back and and uh, and listen. That's a good age to get into the Smiths. Like when you're a teenager, that's probably the perfect age to get, yes, to get yeah, into. Yeah, I guess so. Because you got to, you got Morris's sort of, um, you know, solipsistic kind of lyrics. And, uh, but then the Smiths is one of those bands which, you know, over the years, you, you, you appreciate everything about them, your musicianship. And then you know, the lyrics are actually more, you know, actually more complicated. And it's not just, sort of, it's not just the kind of miserabilism which they often get cited as. It's uh, Morris's writing at that time was, you know, it was interesting, it was, it was, it was you know, somewhat tongue-in-cheek and, 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 and clever and then you know, Johnny Marr's music, songs, you know, something which is, you, you, you could say that they were arguably the first indie band, all, all that music which came after it 
all the rip pop and go and, and, and following on from that all kind of stems from the Smiths. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's true. What you're saying, and and then I guess we should get uh, out of the way right away. Um, is that lately in the past couple of years, Marcy has not been viewed that favorably uh, by a lot of people. He said, that's, you know, he said true. some things, but I, I think it's important for the. I mean, I don't think we should go into any of that, delve into that. We're just focusing on them as a band and uh, the music they made, because at the end of the day, uh, they were just a really great band. And, and, you know, going back to this, so Paul, I'm a little older than you, I guess. I, I, I you know, got into the Smiths right from the start, and mm-hmm. I've, you know, I have all their records, and I realized they're one of these bands, there's few bands that, and, and usually it's bands that, that didn't stick around that long, but they never really made any bad records, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you say yes. that's true? Yeah, I'd say that's true, because you know, they only made four, studio albums and then he had he had a few compilations and yeah and right. album and singles but they weren't they weren't, yeah, they weren't, they weren't even they weren't really around long enough to to make a bad album right. and, even, <laughs> and even though even though i think that maybe the last album they did um was a little bit patchy but but it's still it's still a good album yeah uh, and, and and no they they it was, it was it was all it all went so quickly it was like one album every one album every year and then that was it right so yeah so i'd agree with that there was no there was no sort of you know there was no long decline of the smiths it was it was all over quite all over quite quickly so when you first got into them and you first uh, discovered them uh what was the first thing you heard by them well i can vaguely remember in the you know, as a as a young as a child in the 80s, I can vaguely remember seeing Morrissey on top of the pots. You know, he would be, I've got vague memories of him um, doing his, you know, what was he, he was wearing his, you know, he had his, his flowers in his back pocket and his, in the hearing aid. That's oh, a, right. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember what, when that was, but you know, I, was, and I was quite young then. I was, I was maybe sort of only seven or eight years old. And, and you know, so I've got vague memories of that. Um, but, more, but then at that time, I wasn't really paying much attention to music and it was just another, Kind of a sort of larger than life character on on top of the box, along with all the other larger than life characters in the eighties. So I think I think it was probably about ninety three, ninety four, where I started to get interested in, you know, I started to develop my own taste in music, and then came across the Smiths. And, and this album in particular was the first album I heard by them because we had it, it, in our house. We had this on, had it on a tape. So we had a had a tape which was my dad's, and it was. Yeah, Meters Murder on, on, on one side of the tape and had um, Songs to Learn and Sing by Echo and the Bunny Men, which was a, like a compilation album on the second side. So I'd be listening to that tape, I'd be listening to one side, turning over listening to the next side, then rewinding it and listening to it again. Right. Um, right. When I was doing my, studying for my GCSE exams, which is like what you do when you're, when you're 16. Um, so I'd, I'd be revising and listening to those two albums quite a lot at home. Um, I think it, something just struck me about it. it. It was just a different. Just sounded. It, it sounds unusual. It, it still. It still sounds you know, an unusual album. You know, it, it's, it, you know, it's recorded using pretty conventional uh, instruments. It's, it, it's a basic like guitar, bass, drums setup. But right. it doesn't. It sound, But it sounds. It doesn't sound like music which came before it. Or, or or maybe you can hear you can hear hints of influences, but the Smiths kind of you know kind of melded those into into their into something of their own. It, it, it still sounds it still sounds kind of unusual when you listen to listen to the past few days. 
um, you're struck by yeah, it's, it's it's just a, it's just a bit different. It's like they weren't you know, they were using fairly conventional methods, but doing something doing something original and unusual with with, with, uh, with those with those instruments. Yeah, no, that yeah, that, that that's true. You're exactly right because I, I I was thinking there's just something about the Smiths when you listen to them. Even though uh, I'll, I'll, they had a lot of the same influences that other people, uh, you know, other bands, Marcy was into the um, New York Dolls and they, they were into the Velvet Underground and things like that. But they yeah. just the the sound that they came out and a lot of it has to do with uh, Johnny Marr, obviously his uh, guitar playing, because it's just so unique yeah. and different uh, the way he layers the guitars and he gets these these bright strummy shimmering sounds which sometimes you listen to it and it, it doesn't even sound like a, a guitar really um and it's well, really so you, 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 you know, there's lots of different layers of guitars on, on, on those records um, I mean, one thing that struck always struck me about it is that yeah, there's, there's no obvious choruses on songs the, 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 the normal sort of song structures they're not following those, you know, a lot of these songs don't really have what you would call choruses. Um, so, you know, they're playing around with some of the conventions of song of, of song craft. Right. Uh, and also, you know, no guitar solos. I, I'm sure Johnny Marr could, you know, he, he could play, I'm sure he could play, you know, Freebird or something like that if he wanted to. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but, you know, he, he completely eschews that whole, that whole thing of, 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 of you know, what you would think a, con- a conventional guitarist was would do um, maybe it's a bit more like you know i, I guess you know, I think television is, is one thing where you could say yeah it, it's that kind of that kind of thing you know, virtuosity but not you know not not in the usual kind of showing off right right yeah which is just uh and and one thing uh before we get into the songs i wanted to mention because it's so easy to focus on morrissey and uh, johnny marr because obviously they were the songwriters uh johnny marr wrote the music mainly morrissey you know did the lyrics but they really were a band because andy rourke and mike joyce uh what they add to these songs is so much and uh, especially andy rourke is bass playing his bass guitar throughout the record is just so great and and the things he comes up with the lines so they were they were definitely a unit a a, a band and yeah. and yeah they definitely it's definitely a big a big improvement or a big leap forward in the in the performances on this album as compared to the debut album um and i think that's because the, the debut album would have been it would have been stuff that when a lot of it would have been you know, lyrics Morrissey had written over the years as a as a teenager and 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 the music would have been stuff Johnny Marbet had been writing as as well prior to forming the Smiths and then there were some problems I think in the recording of the debut album which meant they were never the band were never satisfied with with with, with the end product but I think this is with this album as I understand it they. When they went into the studio, they didn't have the whole album written. So a lot of it was they were jamming in the studio, coming up with ideas and then and then moulding them into songs. So I think you, you get a sense of this album. It's, it's more it's more of a band band performances. Right, right. I mean, that definitely comes across. Yes. When you listen to that. And uh, all right, so you said so at this time when you discovered them, you were listening to the other, you were listening to like uh, Blur and Oasis, the other British band. Yeah. I'm curious, are you into U.S. like what U.S. bands were you, are you into? Or uh, well, I was into I was into I, mean, I think I was I was into grunge at the time. So I think I think you know, Nirvana were a big thing in that time, ninety three, ninety four. 
Um, and then the you know, uh, Bob Mould stuff, so Sugar, I, I, was, I was into them, I saw Sugar in, on, on tour in, when they toured in the UK in 94, meant, I don't know, I got into do. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, nice. That. So, yeah, so I, I was interested in that, in that kind of thing. But, but then, you know, going back to the, going back to, to, the, to the 70s, you know, I was kind of discovering you know, music like Talking Heads television as well at right. that time, you know, because you, you'd read The Enemy and then, Bands would be talking about their influences and you know, and the stuff going on at that time. A, a lot of those bands were Elastica. They were they were you know either borrowing you know borrowing or plagiarizing ideas from from bands from the from the seventies. So yeah, so, so I was interested in that in, in the new wave stuff as well at that time. Right. All right. So let's uh, let's get into this record. Um, it starts out with a with a great first track, and and right away you get the the genius of uh, Johnny Marr because I I was actually digging some of the things he plays. I'm thinking, well, uh, it just sounds the the chord. So I I realized uh, I in reading about it that it's actually an open tuning. He's playing like an open E tuning. That's right. Yeah, he's, he's playing an open E. Yes. So, so, it's, so it's open D tuning, and then he's he's either, he's either tuning up from there or always capoing on to 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 get to 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 be an E. That's right. Which is an unusual tuning because you know, especially in well, it's well, I guess it's not unusual for say for, for folk or blues music, but in in rock music, in, right, right, right. In, especially in alternative rock, it was, it was, I don't think it was that common right. at that time. I can't think of any other bands. I mean, I mean, I mean the Stones used they use open tunings. And- but yeah, you're right. Like you said, for them, it, it it was the blues. It was more of like a bluesy approach. But this, he takes that that heavy strumming, like ringing approach, but using the open tuning, and it just it, it just sounds yeah. like him, and it doesn't sound like anyone else but him. Uh, and it's I think great. He said he was he was trying to you know, he was playing around with like Joni Mitchell's type tunings, but you know, but trying to approach it, trying to approach him playing it in more in a manner of like. The MC5 or the Stooges. So right. It's, it's, <laughs> right. You know, like, 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 so imagine, imagine the Stooges playing Joey Mitchell, and that's something. You get some it's, idea of what, it, of what he was trying to do. Yep, and it's brilliant. And as for the lyrics, uh, someone's not having a good time at school, at uh, boarding school. I would, <laughs> I guess we could. Well, uh, I, I think, I think, I think the, the lyrics is it's pretty autobiographical about Morris's time, time at school. Yes. Yeah, if you read any of the stuff about about Morris's childhood, then yeah, it was pretty grim, as I as I understand it. I mean, he 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 failed his eleven plus exam, so he went to a so he didn't get into the grammar school, which unlike Johnny Marr, so he, he so he, he the school he went to was you know one where academic achievement wasn't really something of which was important and. You know, and yeah, by all accounts, it, it was a pretty grim existence. And you know, corporal punishment, which was still a thing in the in UK schools at that time. So yeah, it was you know, some you know. And then, yeah, you, know, you can imagine for you know, for someone like Morrissey, it wouldn't have been an easy an easy time. No, no, not with him walking around with the, with, with the flowers in his pocket and the uh, the uh, <laughs> hearing aid that he didn't need. All right, let's listen to a little bit of the the headmaster ritual.
Yeah, so he's not mincing any words. Like you said, this definitely is, uh, you could tell it's basically him, autobiographical. Uh, yeah. Belligerent ghouls run Manchester schools. Spineless swines, cemented minds, sir leads the troops. Jealous of youth, same old suit since 1962. And so, uh, um, yeah, you 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 really feel for him in this song because, it, yeah, it, 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 yeah, he is and, painting and, a very horrible picture. And you know, definitely with, 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 the, with the second album, then lyrically, it's a lot. He's a, he's a lot more. Obviously, he's a lot more direct about what he's writing about. So, you know, the first album you know, alludes to things uh, in, in a vague sense, but with this album, you're definitely hearing about some some personal experiences. And, and I mean, I mean, this this song in particular is is a document of of, of Morris's school days, which you know, if you've ever seen the film Kez, you know, I mean, like something. Something like that. You know. <laughs> so let me ask you: When you were in school, did, did they have a, a corporal punishment when you went to like? A... No, oh, no, because I mean that was uh, corporal punishment was, was was it was banned in, in eighty six, and I was still quite young in eighty six. So uh, that that had all gone by the time I was. All right. Lucky. Well, I'm going to tell you you're lucky because I a little quick story. When I was I I grew up, I went to elementary school in New York, Queens, New York, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, very. uh, uh, But then we my family moved to Florida and I started middle school, which is sixth grade in Florida. And I got in trouble like pretty soon. I I, I got in trouble for something and I got sent to the principal and he he took a paddle. He had a paddle on the wall and he took it off and he had me bend over. And at first I was confused. I said, well, he's he's just playing. He's not really going to hit me, is he? And then, yeah, and then he gave me, like, I forget, five whacks or then, and I am just remember thinking, I am not in New York anymore. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, all of that had really gone by the time I was I was at school. But yes. I, I, think, I think in the, in the with Morrissey, we're talking about late, late 60s, early 70s, and, yeah, that, that, that kind of practice was still pretty widespread Yes, in, in UK schools at that time. Yes. All right, so now we get uh, now we get a song that uh, there's a lot of rockabilly type feeling on this, which is something I think yeah. that uh, Johnny Mars probably really loves and is really into, and uh, you could hear that in a lot of these songs. This one for sure, and this is about a shitty night at the fair, right? Uh, they have the uh, the that's, that's, yeah, that's 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 what it seems to be now. Yeah, Rush Home Ruffians, um, Rush Home is a is an inner suburb of Manchester, and from what I understand, there's it's a place where uh, travelling fairs would would go every year. And you know, I think again, this is this is probably autobiographical again, or at least it's just to some to some extent of a of a you know, Morrissey, a young Morrissey going to the going to the fair and you know, yeah, the various yeah. the various things going on there. <laughs> yeah, well, he said <laughs> I, 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 I was saw an interview with him talking about the fairs, and he said. Invariably, by the end of the night, someone would end up getting stabbed <laughs> at these things. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's listen to a little bit of Rush Home Ruffians. Last night of the fair By the big wheel generator A boy is stabbed when his money is grabbed And the air hangs heavy like a girl in wine She is famous, she is funny An engagement ring doesn't mean a thing To a mind consumed by brass and money 
So yeah, the, um, he's, I guess he's seeing it more as the, uh, he was probably younger as uh, an observer, you know, someone observing this, but he, he's doing something that he does a lot where he says, even though he's describing these things that went down, uh, but he's, his faith in love is still a devout, like he still b- believes, you know, in, in, in love and in goodness, even yeah. with all the, uh, all the horribleness going on in the world. That's, yeah, that's right. And, and- Casual violence is is is, is mentioned in the lyrics, and that that's and, and violence is is a theme across the whole album, right? In 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 different in in, in its different guises, um, but yeah, there's still that sort of you know there's still some romanticism there about that, 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 that coming across in his in in, in in his lyrics. I mean, but the lyrics themselves, I mean, it's not entirely Morris's own work. I mean, it, he's he borrows some ideas from a Victoria Woods song, 14 Again. I want to be 14 again Tattoo myself with a fountain pen Pretend to like the taste of rum and coke Chuck my school hat in a bush Spit on my mascara brush by consulate And teach myself to smoke I want to be 14 again on the waltzes of the fairground meant for a promise of a snog the last night of the fair French kissing as the kiosk shut behind the generators with your coconut which um, there's quite a lot of phrases on it in the song which are uh, I tattoo myself with a fountain pen that was that was from the Victoria Woods song so it's, oh, okay. um, and, 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 and that, that's also on other songs on the album he I mean, obviously was a, quite a well-read person and you know, a lot of the lyrics I think he, he borrows phrases from you know from from other from works of literature or from other songs and this one is yeah if, if you know, if you read the lyrics to the Victoria Woods song you know, Victoria Woods version is, is is a is you know not quite as um visceral in in in, in, in uh, her, her song is, is more is a more nostalgic look at uh, at the right uh, visit to the <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but there's, you know, there's definitely some boring or, or, or plagiarizing of, of, of lyrics from the and, and then and then the music as well um, is it's it's Elvis. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's the riff is, uh, is is from an Elvis song which they which they appropriated. Oh, okay. Yeah, you you so, could hear that. You could hear that for sure. Yeah. Um, it the name. I think it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's the riff from that. A very old friend came by today Cause he was telling everyone in town Of the love that he just found And Marie's the name of his latest flame Which they used to do, if you, if you watch any life footage, they used to do a medley of it. They do the Elvis, they, they, they start off I think, with the Elvis song and then they segue into Russian Ruffians and... And yeah, yeah, but rockabilly music is another thing um, which you know, influence you see across this album. Um, from Johnny, Johnny Moore, he loved that. He loved Johnny Cash, Elvis, and all those right. Sun Studios right. artists from the fifties. 
Yeah, and and uh, you, you can hear that kind of in this next song too. And um, one thing I I realize, uh, and a lot of this record, uh, it's like the, the songs are either they're divided into two camps. They're either very stately and take their time and slow, or the quick ones are like really quick and and they really move. Yeah. And uh, I read uh, I read something Johnny Marr had said he was a dissatisfied, like a little dissatisfied with some of the record because he felt like they played some of the songs too fast. Well, I like that. I, uh, me I too. I was thinking I really do like that, but because uh, it gives it a yeah. urgent, just a whole a, a sense of urgency. Uh, and, and it's, it's not that long an album. It's like nine songs, and how is it? Just over half an hour. It leaves you wanting more. And and, and the first side of the album is uh, the first. The first four songs are, you know, are really quick, and then so uh, yeah, it's it's like a, it just kind of goes by in a blur. Right, Ex- exactly. But it's great, you know, like your cassette. You just flip it over, rewind it, and listen to it again. So. <laughs> All right, let's listen to uh, song number three. Uh, Marcy, again, not mincing any words here. Let's listen to I Want the One I Can On the day that your man A lot of uh, 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 this is one theme he gets to a lot is just being attracted to the wrong person. Uh, you know, that's a big thing with him, I think. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you hear that in other Smith songs. Yeah, about uh, relationships where which are not, yeah, which are which are dysfunctional. Yeah, and this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, because he's talking. Whoever the narrator is, he's talking about a, a tough kid who sometimes swallows nails. Raised on prisoner's aid, he killed a policeman when he was thirteen, and somehow that really impressed me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's yeah, obviously that, 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 that whole trope of the uh, like the sweet and tender hooligan is yes, right. Exactly. That's, that's a common thing. It's a common thing in, in Morrissey songs about about you know, some about being sympathetic towards you know somewhat roguish characters and all characters who are not necessarily on the right side of the law. Right. And, but and, uh, uh, it just the way he um, the way he puts his f- manages to f- fit his words and lyrics into the songs uh, is really it, it's great. Uh, just the beginning on the day that your mentality decides to try to catch up with your biology, which is a great line. But when you hear that, you think, how could you fit that into a song? But he manages to to do it and make it melodic, which is really uh, I don't know if he gets enough credit for that for being able to do that. And, and there was just some, some uh, mm. magic with uh, Mars music and then him putting, uh, I, th- I think with this album, Morsi and Marbe were writing together. Um, so, you know, I, I think the way, it, the way it worked was that, you know, Mar would come up with, he'd come up with, with ideas for songs, put them, on, put them on a cassette and send it to Morrissey and then Morrissey would, would mold things over and then, find some lyrics to go over the top of it. So they were writing together more closely on this album. So right. 
Whereas on the first time, I think in some of the songs, the lyrics and the music don't always fit together that well. And, that, and that's a, just for the fact that with the first time, a lot of the stuff was written, a lot of the music and lyrics were written before Marcia Mar had, had, had met up. Oh, right, right, right. This episode of That Record Got Me High is brought to you by our patrons at Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a platform that lets you support artists and creators that you love. Just go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and pick a membership level and you could help support the show that you're listening to right now. We have special patron curated episodes. We have a newsletter. We do shout outs. It's a lot of fun and help you feel more connected to a show that I'm assuming you like because you're listening to it right now. So if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron today. I would really appreciate it. All right. So we get uh, another really quick frantic one uh, that this one, uh, sometimes you don't. Oh, you know what? I was going to ask you, uh, did you ever get to see the Smiths or no? You, you were too young. Right? Well, no, because when when the Smiths split up in 87, I would have been nine years old. So uh, no, all right. All right. It, it, was, You're it, young, all bit, it all happened a bit, a bit too early for me, yeah, unfortunately. And, we get and, it. and it's unlikely it's unlikely we'll ever see a Smith reunion. No, I know, right? There it, it it's a shame. There's certain bands and you would think it would it could be such a cash grab for them, you know? Could you could you imagine uh, they yeah. they would do so well. Uh but no, it's never going to happen. I, I, I don't I don't I don't want it to be a Smith. You, you don't you don't want the, you don't want it to end up like 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 Kiss or something like that, do you? Where it's it of a Hits. You, you would go, would go, but but be honest. If they reformed, you would go. You'd buy a ticket, wouldn't you? Oh, uh, I probably consider it. Yeah, but but I think it's it's it's, it's good that the, the legacy of Smiths has been preserved and and, and yeah. And both so. Morrissey and Marvin, they they perform Smith songs on uh, when, when they perform. So I, we don't we don't really need a Smith reunion. I don't I don't think. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, you're you're right. I think I think you're probably right. I did. I was gonna say I I did see them. I got to see them um, when they was it. Uh, what album was after this one? Uh, Queen is dead. Queen is dead was the one. So maybe one, yeah. the Queen is dead tour, or maybe either Meet Is Murder or Queen is Dead. But I did see them. And one thing that struck me that I would always um, tell people because some people some people dismiss the Smiths because they just think of Morrissey and they go, oh, that's. But they they rocked as a band. I mean, they they could really rock out. And, uh, you know, uh, even though they approached it somewhat differently, they could definitely they definitely had their moments where they could rock out uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was you listen to this album. It's a it's a, a tall, muscular sound they've got. I mean, they weren't. You know, a lot of a lot of the bands which which followed in the Smiths wake were, were you know, sort of fake and amateurish, but you could never accuse the Smiths. You know, they they you know, but they could they were all great musicians and you know, right. they were a tight a tight unit. They they weren't you know one of those amateurish indie bands which you know which followed in the next few years. Right. And if if you saw them on the Queen of Stato, was that when they had the second guitarist in the yes. band as well? Yes. So that would have beefed up yeah. the sound. Somewhat. Yeah. All right. And this song definitely is one of those songs that's that's pretty heavy for them. Let's listen to mm-hmm. uh, what she said.
great playing on this one musically, but um, lyrically, like you were saying before, that he he often will lift like themes or sometimes even lines from things that he's really uh, that he loves and he's influenced mm. by. And this is um, Elizabeth Smart, right? Yeah, as I Grand Central Station. Yeah, he, he lifts yeah some some lines from from that. Right, right. Um, so I was going to ask you when you got into the Smiths originally, were you drawn to like, did you dig into the words and the lyrics and did they, or did, did you just like them as a whole, like as a band, because you like, I, I think it was the whole thing. I, I don't think I was, you know, I don't think, I don't think it was Morris's lyrics in particular, which, which attracted me. I like it, it was probably more of a music to, to, right. to, to start with, um, that's good. That probably means you were a well-adjusted teen then. You did you didn't need his, his lyrics so much. I think yeah. I, I don't think I was yeah. I was sort of depending upon Morrissey you know, to to, you know, to to sort of alleviate you know the right the trials of being a teenager. No, I don't, I don't. I don't think so. But um, that's good. But, but then you know, and, and you listen to it now, and you, you can appreciate you, you appreciate the humor in Morrissey's lyrics, which uh, mate, I probably didn't 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 notice that. At the time, you know, it's, you know, it's not just the sort of the monotone miserableism. It, 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 it's, it's clever, you know, clever wordplay. Yes. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and this song's got some great lines in it about the, the tattooed boy from Birkenhead. It's a, it, it is a great, it is a great trope, and um, I think that comes from the because the, the, the album was recorded in Liverpool, so I guess you know Birkenhead is, is a town um, on Merseyside, so I think they were. You know, it's, I guess that's because he, he mentions that because they were recording the album in that area. Right. Well, I've heard, I've even read some people speculate that even though it's sort of, this song sort of written from a female's point of view, but it could also be Morrissey and uh, the a tattooed boy from Birkenhead could be Mar, like sort of because coming to rescue him. Because basically that's what, that's what, that's what happened. Morrissey was this like dour, you know, b- b- depressed kid that, that wrote lyrics in his room. And then when he mm. met up with Johnny Marr, he became, you know, yeah. who, he is, who he became. It could be like an like allegorical. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you can, yeah, so that, that could be true because prior to the Smith League, Morrissey had been, he was unemployed, he, he was writing in his bedroom, but he was, his, 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 his life was kind of going nowhere. And then you know, the fortuitous meeting with Johnny Marr was, you know, was, was what he, was what he, he needed something to, he needed to kick up a bad side, I think. And, and, and Johnny Marr was the person to, the person to do that. So yeah, yeah I can see that. And, and, and I guess they were coming from somewhat different background as well. Um, Marcy being, you know, the, being the person that sconces his room and Mar being a lot more outgoing. So a sort of yin and yang. Um, so yeah, yeah I, can, I can definitely see that. Right. All right. So now we get uh, this album is really there's there's a lot of great song, but this song is is one of my favorite of theirs just because it's so like it's uh, beautiful. The music like is like swirling and it has a otherworldly uh, sound almost uh, to it. And um, and his his lyrics in this one, especially they're just so I mean, I don't know. A lot of people like to make fun of him, uh, you know, just because they're so emotional. I mean, in a way, you could say they were one of the original emo bands, you know, because uh, a lot mm-hmm. of it. But he but he was really good about uh, painting a picture with his words and uh, and, you know, definitely. um 
you know, just because focusing on on you know maybe something that's not as uh, not as upbeat, you know, uh, uh, that's just something that he was you know feeling and wanted to convey, and he he, he does a really good job of it. Yeah, I think this next song it fits in really well with the sequencing of the album. We have those first four songs which kind of go by in a rush, um, and then you get to this track, and this is like this is like the the cornerstone of the album, I think, yes. for me. Yep. And it was it was released as a single, but it but it didn't chart, and you, you can see it didn't it doesn't it didn't really it didn't really work as a single, but as right. a, uh, but on the middle on the middle of the album, it works really well. Oh, it does! It's so great. All right, let's listen to a little bit of that joke. Isn't funny anymore. Park the car at the side of the road. about people who feel so very lonely their only desire is to die well i'm afraid it doesn't make me smile i wish i could laugh but that joke isn't funny anymore it's too close to home and it's too near the bone so on the surface this is someone who's like who you know going through life and being amused by other people's you know tri- tribulations until until something happens to them and then uh and you know and now they understand but I don't think I, I think it's also just it's it, it's sort of him speaking to the people that might mock him for being so dour, you know, and for yeah. people and, and, you know, when he says at the end, I've seen this happen in other people's lives and now it's happening in mine. But I don't think he's he's really saying it from that point of view. I think it's more an indictment against the people that would that, that would mock him and mock someone for, you know, for being. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, it was his response to his critics maybe journalists who were trying to call him out on his, on, on the way he, on, on, on his whole sort of persona. And I mean, and I think he was just, his, his frustrations with the press, I think is, 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 is where the lyrics probably stem yeah. from. Yeah. Basically they would just ask him, why are you depressed? Why are you so depressed all the time? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, uh, it is ridiculous. And, yeah, and- I, mean, I guess a lot, of, a lot of people didn't really, didn't really get it and didn't appreciate the subtlety of what the Smiths were mostly were doing, but they, you know, it was, it was just looking, just, just seeing things in, in, in quite, in, in a quite one dimensional way. Whereas you know, it was, obviously, it's quite, obviously quite a complicated character. And, oh uh, yeah. And, yeah. He's a character. Um, and, and, and he does. And actually a lot of people do miss that. He has also a very dry, sense of humor and it's in a, everything he writes you know he's got that he's got that little cutting uh, edge and he's got a sense of humor that some people just don't don't see yeah. that at all because they they just well, I remember reading that uh, Noel Gallagher would has said that he would he would buy the enemy every week and he'd be he'd be laughing out loud if they were interviewing Morrissey because he was 
is the interviews the interviews were just as good as the lyrics right. to, the, to the song <laughs> it's a, it was he always had a great you know sort of you know, like Oscar Wilde that kind of that kind of the, yes, that kind of wit exactly exactly and, um, and yeah and, and music but then you, you can't underestimate the you know, this the the songwriting the songcraft of, of, of Johnny Marr it's, it's just a it's a really beautifully crafted song and and also and also the production as well the, yeah the um, and this is one i think like you said they sort of wrote I, I i read this is one that they kind of worked on in the studio and jammed you know and jammed that and that whole outro part it just keeps going and it's beautiful and you just don't want it to end it's so good but when it fades when it fades out and then it fades back in again that's the, that's the Quite yes, it is because you're like, oh no, it's ending, and then oh no, great, it's coming back again. <laughs> which apparently was was a homage to Suspicious Minds, which also does the same kind of thing uh, at the end. So again, there's, so then, there's another Elvis reference. Elvis nod, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we flip uh, we flip it over. We're on side two, and we got another rockabilly-ish one. Uh, yeah. And and this is also probably one uh, like I said, uh, Johnny Marr felt some of them uh, were rushed. This is definitely this one goes really fast, and it's uh, ironic because the song is called Nowhere Fast. I'd like to drop my trousers to the world. I am a man of means, of slender means. Each household appliance is like a missile. A shock, I'd probably jump in the ocean And the weather train goes by It's such a sad sound It's such a sad thing I'd like to drop my trousers to the queen just listening to it now, the uh, guitar playing, the uh, guitars that uh, that he does in there, it's just so great. And and you know what you you mentioned before, and I I never even thought of it that oh yeah, Johnny Marr really doesn't play any leads per se because he doesn't have to because he just the songs just like his guitar lives all through the entire songs. You know, it's so great. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not he's doing he's playing rhythm guitar, but not in the conventional sense, sense of just bashing out chords and right. he's, he's playing arpeggios he's doing he's doing these little licks he's doing sort of you know, open string stuff as well and it's uh, it's you know it's clever it's clever stuff which that he's doing not which I, which I think it was him his reaction to i guess you know, to, to what came before and, and wanting to wanting to, to to find his own his own sound right oh god well he he did for sure he sure did <laughs> And I think um, I, I think with a rhythm guitar, it's like, I, I hear a bit of Nile Rogers. Oh, okay, okay. Um, on, on the, which 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 will come on to on, on the on another song. Yes, I, I yes. That sort of that sort of like chicken scratching sort of sound. Yeah, it's, I think you can definitely hear a bit of chic in, in here, but, but like but chic via rockabilly. Right. Yes, and there is. You're right. There is some funk coming up. Uh, soon, not quite yet. Um, first, we have another 
unrequited uh, love song, which is a Morrissey specialty. And, you know, some, uh, you know, a lot of Smith songs can sound happy, like the, the music will be almost happy poppy and then the, the, the words aren't. But this is this one. This next one is one where the sadness and the melancholy is built into the music itself. I feel like you know, even without Marcy singing, this is just like a sad sounding song. Yeah, I mean, this is you know on this album, I think Marcy is mostly playing it straight uh, when, when it comes to the lyrics. Um, you know, on, on other Smith sounds, he'll, he'll throw in some kind of some kind of comedy numbers but you know but this album you know, emotionally it's, it's pretty devastating right right um, and, and, and you know that joke isn't, isn't funny anymore and and, and this track yeah it, it's it's you know it, this is this is about as real as it gets and but but it's, it's, it's another beautiful song again the, the the lyrics and the music go uh go together so well and it's, it's odd that they never performed this song live but um oh really it seems, it seems strange that but um but of the all the tracks on the first three albums they never did this one live but i don't, I don't, I don't know why but um but yeah it, it, it's yeah unrequited love or, or or the aftermath of a relationship it's, it's it's not really clear what 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 exactly he's writing about but um but yeah one, one of the two i think and he's listening, and he also he lifts some of uh, Elizabeth Smart words here as well. The uh, gasping, but somehow still alive. This is the fierce last stand of all I am. Uh, yeah, let's listen to a little bit of "Well, I Wonder." sad one and now we get the funk that you were talking about comes on this one and i didn't know you probably knew this that that uh andy and johnny played in a funk band before the smiths yeah that's right yeah they were called freak party (laughs) freak party (laughs) i think they i don't think they released a single i think they might have recorded some some demos but um but yeah prior to prior to forming the smiths yeah him and andy rock who were who were childhood friends then yeah they, they were they they they'd form this band which at that time in, in the uk you had quite a lot of bands doing doing a kind of a, a take on american funk music you had a certain ratio Shut up! 
Yeah, for sure. And 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 lyrically, it's sort of like a headmaster ritual, a part two, because uh, again, uh, well, I guess I guess I guess it's, it's it's again it's it's the theme is violence, but here it's domestic violence, right? Um, yeah, violence in the home as opposed to as opposed to uh, corporal punishment in schools. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't think this is also biographical as far as I know. You know, Morrissey and it, had a good relationship with his parents, but but I'm sure he must have been aware of of it going on right. with, other, with, other, with other people. Yep. All right, let's listen to a little bit of Barbarism Begins at Home. you get for not asking and a crack on the head is what you get for asking so basically you're gonna get cracked on the head no matter what yeah it's, it's a pretty bleak it is pretty bleak song lyric wise how, how, how do you think do you think it works do you think that there's a dismissed take on funk do you think it's <laughs> it, do you think it works not? It, it it you're right it's very um you hear it and you think oh, okay they're doing funk you know it's funky and any works bass is like really uh, funky on this but i don't know i see what you're saying it, it definitely doesn't sound you know like like much of anything else the smiths did so uh it it it, it does kind of stand out a little stick out yeah I, I think i think i think johnny mars said um retrospectively that it didn't he didn't really think it worked but it, it felt like a failed experiment but right. but, but then, you know, a lot of people say that the smiths you know that were were just you know another white indie band but you know, they had they were listening to 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 soul funk music um, and they, they loved they loved Motown and and they certainly loved loved uh, you know, disco music and and Chic Nile Rogers so um, right. um, it, it's unfair to, you know, to just pigeonhole them as being another um, you know, like you know, a lot of bands which came after them you know, didn't 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 take those influences with them 
you didn't you didn't you never heard Oasis doing a, a funk song. No. <laughs> and, probably, and probably just as well. Yeah, that that would be bad. Uh, even just <laughs> you said that and the hairs on my neck went up a little. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we get the final track, which is the we really like the the musical and moral compass of the record. And I'm gonna ask you when when you first heard this record, did this what did you did this song affect you in any way? Because I remember I, I was older, and if if you're a meat eater, this song is <laughs> devastating. I mean, this song makes you you just go, oh fuck. <laughs> well, I I did turn vegetarian for a year or two. I don't know whether I it was specifically in response to this song but it must there must have been something when i was a when i was in my late teens that uh, that made me want to to give up eating meat and it, maybe right. this had a, maybe this had an influence but so um, yeah maybe this is you know, i don't like i don't think prior to this that any any, any bands or artists were really discussing the topic of animal welfare and vegetarianism I don't think there's there's really any sort of any, any antecedents to, to this. Not much. I mean, uh, Chrissy Hind was is a pretty outspoken vegetarian, and maybe so maybe she was a little. But this was he was definitely one of the first. He was definitely ahead of his time as far as this is uh, now, because obviously now it's much more accepted and people are much more aware of it. Um, but yeah, if, if if you're ever in need of a song to make you feel bad about eating a hamburger, this is the song. <laughs> I think I think did, did the whole band convert to vegetarians at this time? Uh, although I think I read that uh, that Andy Rourke he used to he used to when Morrissey wasn't paying attention he'd pop out and, and buy on top of steak. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, but yeah, I, I I can't think of another you know anything which really precedes this. And you know, in in terms of the Smiths politics, this is you know, the, the most direct. It's the most directly political song. On the album, it and, is and, and, you know, the, you know, the, the use of the, the, the clever use of sound effects, you know, there as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I guess Morrissey gave the engineer Stephen Street. So actually, they just used the Stephen Street as an engineer, and they produced this record yeah. themselves. That's right, isn't it? Because they, yeah, Stephen Street had been he'd been, he'd been the engineer on the um, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now single. Right, right, and and it's very 
effective. It's very creepy. And uh, this song, it, it, it's funny. I remember when I got this album and I remember reading the lyrics before, like as I'm listening to the album and when I'm reading Meet is Murder, I'm thinking it's going to be, oh, this is going to be like some heavy song or something like that. But it, it, it definitely, when I finally heard the song, it, it wasn't what I expected, but it actually makes it more effective. The fact that it's so uh, slow and hypnotic sounding. Yeah, it's, you know? it's not my favorite song on the album. I mean, musically, it's my least favorite, but I wouldn't skip it though. I, 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 the album—you have to listen to the album in its entirety here, and and yeah, it, it's effective. It's effective. Yeah, it's not necessarily a, a pleasant listen, but it's very effective. I think for what he was trying to convey and what they were trying to convey, and they did a good job with it. And I guess I read they sort of construct. This was definitely a construct in the studio, and then later they had to learn how to play it live, how to figure out how to play it live. Yeah, and I think that's the case on a lot of Smith stuff because they couldn't they couldn't necessarily reproduce the songs as they were as they were recorded in the studio because there's so many layers of guitar. So, you know, to, to Johnny Marr, you'd have to, on the live recordings, you can see he's, he's, having to, he's having to cut corners because he's only got, he can't do all of the different guitar parts himself. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> all right, so let's listen. Hopefully you guys are, hopefully you guys aren't eating like a BLT or something right now. Let's listen to a little bit, uh, just a little bit. could be He's definitely painting a picture, and like I said, it, it's hard to listen to, but it is, I mean, um, it, it is heavy-handed, but it, he's not wrong, and, uh, you know, uh, good on him for, you know, having convictions and, and not being afraid to uh, put it out, put out his, his convictions out there. Um, and uh, as you said, violence uh, is a big part of this record, and this, uh, and this is violence against, you know, animals. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely th- throughout the whole record, and this is really a good way to end it. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, it's it's an unusual it's an unusual album. But I don't, they didn't make when you go on to the Queen instead. They they they, you know, because they took a different approach with that album. Um, and, uh, I think with the song the songwriting is is a bit more it's somewhat more lighthearted on their opinion. It's, 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 this is the heaviest of the albums. They made, I think, both 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 musically and lyrically. Yeah, I I, I agree, and and all the other, as great as all their other records uh, are, you could say there's a couple of throwaway, maybe throwaway songs on there, but this one I don't think has has any. I think, uh, as you said, it's pretty 
solid as a piece as a record i mean uh it, it is yeah i think it, it works really well as as an album you know as a, as a body of work you know, the songs the sequencing um there's, there's yeah there's no filler on it there's no you know comedy songs which 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 did crop up on the later smith's right. albums um, Morris is playing it pretty Vicar straight. Vicar in a tutu, no, uh, no Vicar uh, in a tutu. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but that kind of thing. And I, and I like, I like that because because it, it has, it has a, both those record, both those those songs add some levity yes. to, to the albums and and um, in terms of the, the overall mood. But you know, with, with, with this album, it's it's the sound, it's the sound of Manchester. I think when you, you know, when you listen to it, it's this is. As close I think, as you can get to, you know, to to, you know, to what Manchester must have been like at that at that time. Ah, okay. uh, but it, it feels like you know, like a northern a record made a record in the north in, in the north of England. It, it's right. got that kind of kind. Of, it's you know, somewhat dour. Um, right. If yeah, the Smiths, if, if they were in California recording this, it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> no. It, it, yeah. You can you can imagine if they were if they were making this record in a in a Studio in the outskirts of Liverpool. It was a dilapidated studio, um, you know, far removed from from the kind of studios they were working on in, in London on the first album. But um, but I think it, you know, it, it I think it works. Yes. Um, oh yeah, for it, sure. So they, were, they were on home, they were on home turf with really, the making of this album. They were um, whereas on the on, whereas on the first record they were you know, they were they're out of their I guess they're out of their comfort zone you know, down in London making it in. in in, with, with producers who weren't necessarily sympathetic to the kind of sound they wanted to make. Right. All right. Well, we did it. We got through the record, Paul. Uh, this was great. You definitely, uh, you definitely brought the goods. And uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, it, it was, it was great for me redigging into this record because, uh, like I said, I remember uh, when it came out in the uh, in the eighties. I didn't mention it. Actually, it came out in uh, nineteen eighty five. Um, yeah. And it was the only, you know, I was surprised to know this is the only Smiths album to reach number one in the UK. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it went straight into number one on, on the UK album charts. I, I, I'm assuming it didn't do anything in America though. But I, I can't, I can't imagine that it was it big on the college. It was really big on uh, college radio, definitely. And, okay, and, and that's where I, you know, first heard it and heard of the Smiths. So it, it was, but um, yeah, I mean, they're definitely a British uh, band. So uh, you know, uh, but they definitely have a have a big fan base uh, here as well, um, as they should because they were a great band. And uh, I think you're right; they'll probably never get together. But I think if they do do the uh, do the cash grab uh, tour, I think. I think Paul will end up buying a ticket. I really do. <laughs> would you? Would you? Would you get your? Would you be? Uh, um, uh, buying well for? I don't know. I I I don't go to too many shows anymore. <laughs> I feel like I've seen like just about all the shows I need to see. So I don't know if I would or not. I mean, I saw the Pixies when the Pixies reunited. Uh, I saw them a, a a few times, and they were great. It was great, but I don't know if I would. Maybe I would. I, I, I think I think for the most part. But those, those sort of reunions, I, I don't, I don't really think it's worth worth doing. I mean, the, the only band I, I think of who have who have reunited and made made records as as good or almost as good as in their heyday is, is Dinosaur Jr. I mean, that Jay Maskis is still making. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yes. that's true. The, the recent Dinosaur albums have been up there with you know, with, the, with their sort of 
Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, you're right. Leg work. But, but, but we'll say the pictures are not so sure. They're not going to make another, another um, uh, do little thing or, or, or anything. No, place no, to, you're right. Yeah, they were, of, they were of a time, of that time and place. Yeah, no, you can't go back to that. And I think we've, 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 we've been in terms of the Smiths. Relations between Morrissey and Oh Marlon. my God! <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't. I don't think there's any way that there, there could be any kind of rapprochement with, Agreed, with, with yeah. the two of them. If it's a, yeah, their, their relationship is 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 is, is not is non-existent. But I, I don't think they're, they're quite a long way apart now in terms yes. of their you know, respective. <laughs> Agreed. Well, views. these things happen. Uh, but, are... but, but, but it doesn't matter because you can you can go you can go to a Johnny Marr concert and he'll play. He'll play you know, Smith's numbers as well. Yes. If you're more, yeah, you yeah. Go and, so you, you don't really need to have. No, it, you're right. It's you, fine. Probably better off. Uh, all right. Thanks again, Paul, uh, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Um, don't forget, guys, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at, at that record got me high. Also, that base group got me high. Uh, on Twitter, it's at TRGMH podcast. Uh, you can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com just the way Paul did. Uh, if, you, if you think this episode we didn't get everything quite right let me know and then maybe yeah, yeah I'm sure, sure we must have missed some, some <laughs> and uh, don't forget if you guys want to become a patron of the show go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh you can become a patron I would really appreciate it Paul thanks again for being on the show I appreciate it and uh, I will see you guys next week we're out of here